0: You're listening to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the internet's nerdiest songwriting podcast.
1: (laughs) Another year is coming to an end on this podcast and it's always emotional. I said to Emily before we started this that I don't know how it's going to go, but I know it's going to be emotional. And before I hand over to Emily, because I think the heart and soul of what's been beautiful about this year has been... Not only Tiki's involvement, not only everyone that's been involved, but particularly Emily turning up every month to give her insight, to give her wisdom to you beautiful people. So I will hand over to Emily, but I'm thinking a little bit like this for today. What's been important is you guys. And Emily's a part of that. As I said, we're going to go through a little help desk because it's also Christmas themed. Come on. Yeah, we know this, but it also has some beautiful things that are not Christmas themed, which I really want to talk about. Then we're going to jump on to our individual top three artists of the year and why we believe that to be true then i want to talk about what i've learned this year the things that i wish i knew that i put together hopefully in something quite concise then i want to talk about you you listening the person who's having these sounds come through to them wherever they are and why you are so important to us and what i hope for next year for you and things will be changing next year in a, in a beautiful, positive way because of people like Emily, because of people like Tiki and what you guys have, have charged me and allowed me to do. So that's a bit of the program. It's going to get emotional. It's going to get techy. It's going to get weird. It's going to be exactly what you've signed up for the whole year. This is the end of year show. Welcome, Emily. Take us away with your magic.
0: Thank you for the, for the lovely introduction. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate that we have... Actually, a handful of songs that are quite seasonal thanks to our, our one and only Stu Neal instigating that. So appreciate the little bit of the push and momentum because this show, this particular episode, number 12, woo, would not exist uh, in quite the same form if it wasn't for this song being sent to me by Stu Neal and him saying, hey, have you guys thought about a Christmas episode? And I, it's like, well, I I am now. So
1: <laughs> We had to. Again, you did we it to just us. Had Don't to. blame us. We just we did did had to us, do it guys. to him.
0: We just had to do it to him. Honestly, and I'm, I'm easy to encourage into the Christmas spirit. This is something that, you know, even though I'm not really religiously Christian as an adult, as a child, I did Christmas recitals every year for a very long time, uh, you know, So it's something that has become near and dear and nostalgic for me. Um, and, and without further ado, let's let's get started talking about some Christmas songs. So first off, we have "Man in Red" by Stu Neal.
2: Christmas is my favorite time of year, that's why I got a story that I needed to hear about what happened to me last Christmas Eve. It started off like any Christmas Eve night with wrapping some presents and lighting the lights, but what happened later on, you just won't believe. The stockings were hung, the kids were in bed, my wife's looking tired when she turned and said, it's getting kinda late, got up with a smile. But I was feeling good, just enjoying the mood So I thought I would drink it out, if I possibly could And told her I'd stay up, for just a little while Feeling like another tough year is behind us Thought I'd have a couple of drinks, Tennessee's finest But I guessed I dozed off, somewhere down the line When I woke up, the clock said three There was still no presence underneath the tree But the lights were low, and the fire was slowly dying Heard a jingle and a thump and a ho 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 Then Father Christmas appeared on my living room floor and said My name is Santa, how do you do? He said, now milk and cookies are always nice But that there Jack Daniels, well that's my advice How about I rest up and we can drink a few? Hanging out with Santa was kind of neat And he told a lot of jokes that I couldn't repeat But I swear that he's the finest man to ever live that it's all about the kids and making them smile, being kind, going the extra mile, and peace and love are the greatest gifts to give. It's funny what you learn about old Saint Nick when you're hanging out getting trashed, like when he picks up a guitar and sings little bitty sounds just like Johnny Cash. He spoke about getting into houses without breaking any laws, told a cute little story about Mrs. Claus, and I still remember every word he said. Then he got up to leave and he dusted off his suit Put on his hat and his big old boots and laughed I'm Santa Claus and I'm the man in red I knew I was by myself, no Santa Claus, not even an elf, but a big pile of presents lying next to an empty sack. The clock said five, and man alive, the next thing I saw to my surprise was two empty glasses and an empty bottle of Jack. Now I know I didn't make this up, cause there's no way I got the kids that pup, but it turned out to be a very special Christmas time. I found a little note tucked under the tree which, funnily enough, was addressed to me and said, Peace and love, old drinking, friend of mine.
0: Hey, that was Man in Red by Stu Neal, which just right off the bat, let's talk about my initial reaction to it. This is the funniest thing you've ever written. This is absolutely hilarious. Yes. Uh, Johnny Cash style looks good on you. I like how thematically it's a little bit of a reprise of one of my favorite songs of yours, which is you've got the one... What was it called? It was a couple of months ago that was um one hell of a team that song. Yes, I
1: was thinking that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You're you're taking you're taking some kind of um, you know, popular figure and making them into your drinking buddy in a sense. Except for instead of personifying different kinds of liquor, now Santa is your drinking buddy, which It's just hilarious. And I feel like you could really, without it getting too old, do that theme in so many different facets where it's like, insert character here that you're going to get into more depth with, you know, over a glass of whiskey on the rocks. And it's it's awesome. It's hilarious, um, as I said before. But then there's also something that I want to talk about that you do well. Uh, particularly in the first verse, is cliché conversion. So you do give us a little bit of a reference, a little bit of an interpolation of Twas the Night Before Christmas, except for instead of finishing it in a conventional sort of sense, you finish the line with a comment about your wife, uh, which I thought was interesting, because it leads you like halfway down the expected garden path and then you give us a little bit of a turn which is which is great for those of you who perhaps want to write a christmas song this is something that you can do you can take one of your favorite christmas songs and insert a reference to the title or a single line and then finish it finish the rhyme in your own unique way which you've done here i love it uh, it's it's just it's fun to listen to. I love this um in in addition to having references to classic Christmas, you also have uh sort of a sonic reference to a boy named Sue throughout, which I almost called it a boy named Stu because um, because we love you, Stu. uh yeah, just it's uh, my favorite line the the line that got me audibly laughing was that when you told us that Santa uh, said a couple jokes that you couldn't repeat, <laughs> that was funny. You <laughs> this, this um, you know, you, you're taking something kind of beloved and classic, and you're once again subverting this cliche. You're making Santa into a little bit of like a cheekier guy. Uh, which I, I like how you do that, you know, and that's another thing that you can hear a lot in classic uh, Christmas music, like uh, like I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus or uh, Santa Baby. It's a, it's a subversion. You're bringing this character into your world and into your style and then talking about how you would interact with them. And so... I love that you did that, I wanted to th- point that out and throw that out there for anyone who's interested in writing a Christmas song and needs a prompt. That is your December homework, is do some cliché conversion. And without further ado, I'm going to have Jamie come in and make a few comments as well.
1: I also love that line about dirty jokes you can't repeat. Because if you listen to this show, you're going to know that creating mystery And like ethically creating mystery by way of humor, I think is something that's fantastic and it will come up later when I've got my top three artists. But Emily's locked in on, I think, one of the most practical tools you can have a go at and it's cliche conversion. But also, even more simply, I was working recently with a young band and they had a lot of cliches in their music and they were about to get rid of them. I was like, no, 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 don't ever get rid of something that indicates what you want to do. So I think of it like this. It's like wherever you are right now, look on the floor and kind of pick out like a square patch almost like you'd be digging a hole. And that's what a surface level lyric is. It tells you where to dig. And then later you come back with lyrical deep diving, the creative funneling thing, everything we talk about on the show, everything that I teach people, then you go and dig in that area to find the depth that you're looking for. So I also really sit behind what Emily's saying is take what's established and make it your own. Um, But equally just make use of that surface level indicator like again a flag in the sand or kind of cutting out where you want to dig so useful but back to Stu because Stu's um he's kind of close to my heart we had some amazing conversations um working together this year but then also what's quite exciting is what he's looking to do next year because what we've seen so far as Emily highlighted is Stu kind of not only inhabiting characters himself but also kind of having characters come into his world and it Kind of reminds me of, um, epic rack battles from history. If anyone grew up on YouTube in like our era, it's kind of like what Stu's doing is like, he's pulling characters that we know and bringing them, like, what would they say? But just in terms of imagery, I can kind of close my eyes right now. And I can imagine Stu's sat in that Christmas setting because it's so effective the way he's written his lyrics that he puts me in a world. That's the way that my brain works. Right. But I can picture Santa doing all these things. I can. Imagine Stu kind of regaling and wanting to stay up longer, even when the kids had gone to bed. And even like Emily said, like mentioning the wife and the kids and kind of a lot of funny, sardonic, uh, witty things that Stu did. But what I'd love to really showcase is the way he performed it. The accent was really good, it was very funny, and it was very clearly kind of an American faux Johnny Cash thing. And we have an American with us now. So maybe the accent wasn't as accurate. But for me as a listener, I thought it was quite a great. Quite a great way of, of just doing it and doing justice to the fact that he is trying to do a kind of cash Christmas song. And guitar playing was awesome. I love that it was kind of a root and tune approach to Christmas. And as Emily said, if you really want to write a Christmas song, I don't know if you can do what's already be done because everyone's going to be doing what's already be done. And that is also what we are. We're at this kind of pivotal point in music where we're kind of about to crack self so promotion online and copying what everyone's doing to try and get what everyone's already got it's becoming a bit see-through now and it's sadly the weight is on the independent artists and the weight is on the mental health of those independent artists and young people so I'm loving this idea that people like Stu can come in and write something that's not only a great song if you listen back technically and even inhabiting a really low register the whole time he was more pulling on rhythm and delivery and lyrics instead of needing to go way up on that kind of golden triad I like to think about it with melody in one corner lyrics in the other corner rhythm in the other corner he kind of just played with those lyrics and rhythm and stayed, gave us this beautiful kind of jig down low, so overall, I'm a huge fan of this human being, and, and also as well, just be being willing, as we've had a couple of times this year and in general, um, being willing to send in your songs continuously and to be happy, like I talked about with Philippa like do you be happy to be upset <laughs> that you don't like your stuff anymore or to see the progression? I think that's what makes a successful songwriter, and that's kind of my theme and what I've learned this year as well but um Emily's going to take us away with the second one, um, which is also from Stu, so I can talk about how much I, I love the dude after.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, before we move on, I can confirm that your accent was seamless. I I actually was really pleased with it. it like I said, you really uh, inhabit that kind of sonic universe really, really well, and I love to see it. And. You made me think of another thing, Jamie, when you were talking about the group that you're working with um, and their kind of relationship with cliches because something that I have very recently uh, realized is that when you're using cliches, um, a lot of times we say, oh yes, we wanna put them in the chorus and this is something that I've taught and that's a good tool but another way to approach clichés that i've realized is to use them as a palate cleanser. so if you have a really really dense verse then of course you want to put in some clichés because it gives like the more rational part of your mind time to rest and focus on something more simple uh, perhaps it's a good time if you have more cliche lyrics to to really double down on the rhythm of the words that you're saying more. Give some something someone to um, more irrationally and automatically respond to, rather than activating that like frontal cortex part of part of your brain that processes music all of the time. So, like another good example um, would be. And, and something that I, I've heard um, one of my artists of the year do quite a bit that, that will be revealed later um, is actually using your pre-chorus um, as sort of a space to go into some cliches, go into some simple language. And then your, your verse on the other side and your chorus can have a little bit more depth if your pre-chorus is kept really simple. So it doesn't really matter exactly where you put the cliches in terms of the structure if you're using this technique. What matters the most is that you're giving us contrast. So
1: yes, that's the word of the year. It's got to be. But thank you. That's great.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because that's something that I've noticed actually in the past like couple of weeks as a listener going back into some, some of my favorite pop tunes. So I thought that might help a bit. And now it is time for more Stu Neal. We have Christmas. Don't forget me. Bye. Stu Neal.
3: Hang those shining lights. I won't hear laughter, but I'll feel those silent nights. Don't need nothing but a memory or distant dreams of family. I hope you have a very happy Christmas, but Christmas don't forget me a special Don't forget me
0: That was Christmas, Don't Forget Me, by Stu Neal. Again, you're giving us interpolation, but a little bit more subtlety and simplicity. Like you're just giving us the title silent night in there, uh, instead of giving us a longer line. You're just giving us this quick reference, which which I like. You're there's in the verse especially, you're blasting us with a bunch of quick references, which I appreciate because it is something that is highly evocative to people. We all have a picture of what Christmas looks like in our imagination. And so it works. Those those cliches are, are cliché for a reason. It's it's evocative. Everybody knows what that looks like. Even if you're not Christian, you know what that looks like because Christmas decorations end up being like everywhere. And you, you really give us this like... this this eye feast of decor for more of like your mind's eye, like in your imagination. Uh, And then you also, along the lines of contrast, I want to talk about your bridge section as outro, where you give us different, while giving us different instrumentation, completely different melody, completely different mood, you're still giving us continuity the rest of the song it doesn't feel like it has to be a whole new song Um, which is something in your writing you can look out for if you're coming up with sections and it's like ah this doesn't quite stick this doesn't quite work well perhaps it's a whole new jumping off point but in the case of this it actually works quite well uh, to have a major change at the end and then you're also giving us a little bit of sonic symbolism because when you get into that that part where you're talking about uh, being with the angels, you know, you, you give us extra reverb. You give us like drenched in reverb, like shoegaze moment, which I love. Mm. <laughs> um, but but it's a wonderful choice, and I I really appreciate, especially since we've been having more conversations about. Um, vocal production, how to make vocals sit in the mix, um, that you're doing some more creative work on that. Because as someone who's been experimenting with producing themselves for almost 10 years now, yikes, um, (laughs) that is really where a lot of the magic happens is in the raw experimentation that you're doing. And I love... When I can tell that people in some disciplines of their music are self-taught, uh, because that's where uniqueness comes from. It's it's from where you're doing things that others might not necessarily consider to be technically correct, like like turning the delay and reverb up max just to see what it does. I I, I love that, and and to quote one of my my personal heroes in the industry, uh, Jack Antonoff, the way to make a perfect pop song is to make an imperfect pop song. So Th-
1: There you go. That's it. And I think that school of thought might well serve people going into next year because what's happening is kind of the cracking of what is the perfect pop song. And people are still doing it, but in terms of what Stu's offered here with this song, I want to go somewhere a little bit different because... In the nature of the song, it's this gorgeous kind of expected, as Emily said, Christmas song. But this bridge section reminds me of an artist called Moby that I grew up with. And my dad was really into kind of experimental, electronic, different music, sometimes cinematic. And what Stu's done is he just, he played it in a session recently that we had. And I couldn't, I couldn't put my head around what he'd done. And it's this kind of like hi hat bridge transition song. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then it goes into incredibly touching, dark, slightly morbid spin on Christmas. And then I found out that he's talking about the kind of darker side of Christmas. And I myself have had experience of spending time with people that don't have anywhere to call home and seeing the difficulty of life, particularly around Christmas, um, when you are homeless and there is death, there is difficulty, there is a need to help people. The cold is a killer. And I don't know why, but Stu and I were on the same page there and I'd heard that in him. And he had a personal story about how a close friend of his around christmas last year had lost one of their children and it's an interesting thing to talk about this because we're going to go here there with the next song as well but songwriting is so much about therapy it's so much about honesty it's so much about reflecting what's happening and if you're not doing that i don't know if you're really kind of writing in the way that i would hope and i kind of said this to emily recently in a session i said this to another client yesterday i am failing at my job if people are not writing about things that are meaningful to them. So this is a perfect example of that. And we could probably go more into the the technical aspects. And I think Emily's already done an incredible job of that. But to me, the reason why this is gorgeous is because Stu has kind of been inhabiting these characters and learning all these skills by way of kind of mimicking. He'd be open with that. But something I challenged you with and something I challenge all of you with, and even I spoke to Emily about this really recently, it's like, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want to say? And when I spoke to Stu, it was a case of, you've done an amazing job of this so far, but what can we do with that now? Can we really start to tap into things that you want to say, things you find difficult, things that you need servicing for yourself? And I'm realizing that with with any level of artist to have the privilege of working with or coaching or speaking to, again, I would not be able to sleep if I didn't say to them, write the thing that is meaningful to you. And that's the Antonov way of thinking is write something anti. And Stu's given us these kind of funny, whimsical Pro Christmasy song, and then he's kind of got given us like a almost like a punky anti Christmas song, and again something about that was beautiful to me, and and again the haunting aspect, like Emily pointed out, of that melody coming in at the end of the outro, and I just think it's special, and I would really hope that people can hear that progression and the contrast of the songs he's submitted, and yes, it's Christmas, but also to remember that Christmas is a very difficult time. So if you have the ability, if you have the time to give to others that don't get all these wonderful f- happy family. Environments that we all think of at Christmas. Please do so, and I think beautiful music like this is a great reminder. And if anything, it's gratitude that we can sit on this podcast in warm houses with microphones and tech, and and even listen to this. You know, listen to this on a piece of equipment that isn't free, and all of us are able to do that and and love music and and fight for that. So, um, that was why it was special to work with you. But at the same time, sending in songs like that are are really important so that'll be what I have to say on that great tune
0: yeah 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 I I, I really like the idea that you're you're touching on the uh, the darker side of it because that's what Christmas is if you really look at the traditions and like particularly the, the idea of decorating a Christmas tree um, is something that was adopted from the anglo-saxons and the reason why it's an evergreen is because they don't lose their needles, right? They, they still stay very lively uh, throughout the colder months. So it's to embody that sort of like evergreen spirit during the darker months. And then, of course, we, we decorate it with lights. And so it's sort of a, there's a notion of um, creating light, but it's because of the darker months of the year and the cold weather and so it's like there's still nowadays is this remnant around christmas of our ancestors if your ancestors celebrated christmas you know having creating this holiday as a way of creating mental fortitude and and hopes that your harvest from the fall is going to last you through the end of the year It really is, everything that you're saying that is a bit dark, it really is the spirit of Christmas. And I personally, I think some of my favorite Christmas songs are the ones that are a little bit um, more melancholy or or have a darkness to them, like like Blue Christmas by Elvis is is a favorite of mine. More recently, I heard there's a Carly Rae Jepsen Christmas song called It's Not Christmas Until Somebody Cries. And then the verses are listing off all of the different high stress situations that you find around the holidays. So lean into it. If you're not feeling jolly.
1: Comment. If you're not feeling jolly, just listen to this podcast again because you'll really hear the undertones. (laughs) We're here for you. It's a great point, Emily, and I I love the history that you brought in there. And I think it does resonate because Christmas is to be hopeful, to be joyful, to be giving, to be close, to be family, but it's also to repair to prepare as you said and it comes from that tradition so this very show is to invite people just to come to listen to be present and to really start to think as we speak about what you want to do next year not what are my 2024 goals like no who are you now going into next year when the sun starts to arrive again when the energy starts to come back people are more Open to hanging out. Who do you want to be by then? What music do you want to be writing and challenging yourself over this period of time, and taking a fucking break if you need it? I just took a quick one. I'll be taking a couple more. Then I'll be jetting off, getting it done, going out there because of people like you and Emily and everyone part of this. I want to. So, it really, really drives me. And we have a really special song. Like truly, how do you say it? There's not enough words in the English language to to get away from special, but. Emily, what's the next one?
0: Up next, we have You Understand by Bertie Padilla. Yeah, I've been feeling
4: bad, but I don't know how long. Slip down in the valley way before the song. They say, don't be sad, you're doing just fine Ignoring this desperate fight in my mind Sure, I managed to get through the day But they can't see it's only you pulling the weight And so I push away when they ask if I have prayed Did I go outside today? Did I make some lemonade? So I hide my sorrow in your grave so if it's just you and me A fellowship of our suffering You died in your body, I die in my mind Know the source of my pain, ain't the tangible kind But the scars on my heart are as real the scars on your hands So when they fail me, I know you understand Though I walk with you, Jesus, they might think I'm not Cause being all broken means leaning in hard. But I know who upholds me I'm thankful you're there So you know I push away When they ask if I have prayed Did I go outside today? Did I make some lemonade? so i had my sorrow The source of my pain is the tangible kind But the scars on my heart are as real As the scars on your hands So when they fail me I know you understand And you're dragging me slowly on home. Like a man on a journey who's better alone I'm dead weight but you can't seem to leave me behind Oh, you must be exhausted of hearing me But you say, I see your face I know how much you've prayed. Yeah, we should go outside today, heaven's full of lemonade. You know I'm looking forward to that day. But for now, it's just you and me Together in all I'm suffering I died in my body, you die in your mind Your heart is in pain and I feel it in mine And the scars on your heart is real It's the scars on my head so when they fail you I understand I'm sorry they failed you but you know I understand Understand.
0: That was You Understand by Bertie Padilla. And let me tell you, I heard the song for the first time last night. And when it got to the title reveal, I audibly gasped and then involuntarily said, Wow, and then had tears streaming down my face. So. This is the reaction that you want to have. And I think a big part of it is your ability to show me and not tell me. Like, honestly, I I really hope that people who are making contemporary worship music are listening to this because, like, this is really uh, gripping me. And like I said earlier, I'm not a practicing Christian, but... I love how instead of just taking stories and parables from the Bible that we all know, um, you've taken them and you've gone deeper and you've applied it to your own life. And then you've reflected back to me why Jesus is important to you in a way that I understand. And that's why I cried because it's like oh wow that that lyric when they fail me i know you understand that that's what got me tearing up yeah. cuz it's like it's like wow okay i haven't really read the bible since i was a child but it's like okay i i'm i i can empathize with what you're saying i i i can you know i've had people that um have played the role of judas in my life as well and it's it's very it becomes very heart-wrenching uh and I love how much you were able to draw out that reveal too without it seeming like the song is very long like are you a time lord is the other thing.
1: Yeah, I said to Emily when we came on I was like, "Do you know that was 6 minutes?" She was like, "What? I've listened to it twice." How long is it? I was like, "I think it's the first song ever I've heard that's 6 minutes that just I didn't I just didn't feel like any time. It's amazing.
0: Right? It's it's completely transporting. Um, and yeah, like I said, this is what I want to see people doing who are writing contemporary worship music. I mean, obviously, your goals are your own personal goals. And if you don't want a huge audience, including all of the secular people, and you just want to play... Um, in your worship band or at your church, that's a beautiful goal too. But if you want to have a broader audience and you want to bring your faith into it, this is how you do it. You tap into the essence of human suffering like you would any other ballad. Um, and then you give, us, you give us a little bit more of a taste of um, what you're talking about. And, and you talk about it in the second verse a lot more um, plainly. And, and a lot more in an on the nose fashion, you start talking about Jesus, but you you give us a little bit of um, patience and like you you wait that out. And uh, the, the detail that actually gripped me the most is just from the very beginning, first of all, your voice from a technical perspective is just so beautiful. And so when you give us this, Like from the first note, this amazing timbre, this amazing breath control, it sucks me in because it is technically seamless. Uh, But at the same time, the thing that I love that is inspiring me is your use of rests in the verse. Like you just give us, you give us a line and then you give us a rest. And you give us a line, you give us a rest. And it's, the instrumentation is so simple towards the beginning, that it really, it, it works and gives us this, not only this emotion that's like a little bit more pensive um, and it, it matches the lyrics, but in addition to that, it it kind of makes me, it feels more theatrical. Like it, it feels like something that would be in a musical. And so you give us a little bit of uh, like that genre as well. So there's just, there's so many little little nuances in that performance too that like I could talk about forever. Um, I'm curious to hear a little bit more from you though in the meantime Jamie cuz you've you've talked to her a little bit more.
1: But just hearing you speak about it does such justice to the feelings that I had for it too. So I'm going to go through the song technically because I think that's what you sent in for. That's what Emily does so well. So that's what you sent in for. But then I do want to talk about her as a human being and the theme that we can all learn from I have to be not emotional for a moment because as Emily said, when I wrote vocals 10 out of 10, because I don't know if you could do a better job than what I heard. And I'm a bit shocked to be completely honest, because I've sung my whole life and I don't think I've ever managed to capture a performance like that, where you just, it's so good. It's effortless. That's the cliche. It's so, so good that you just go. fuck. And I mean, I was even listening, thinking about the conversation that we had, Carla and I had. So Birdie Pidela, she's called Carla. Um, we had recently, and I was going back, I was like, is that the same person that I spoke to that sang that? It's, it's kind of a weird thing that happens with music. And so just hauntingly beautiful would be the the most practical way to say it. And what I thought was gorgeous were the questions that she put. She literally put questions. Again, with this kind of effortless, timeless songwriting is, a technique we have, again, is that ask questions. But she literally put questions that people from her congregation would ask her. Because I'll tell you the backstory in a moment, because it's, why i'm passionate about this song but it was a gorgeous thing is have you prayed today have you made lemonade and it's just fucking genius like emily was saying earlier like it's the conversion of people saying like oh have you prayed and have you made something good from the bad but the way that it was delivered was like how can i make good out of something this bitter this painful and like emily said when you get to the reveal it's just it's heartbreaking it's heart-wrenching and it's the musical aspect as well i already said i noted that emily's already kind of touched on that but fellowship of suffering that you share with, with God, with Jesus in, in this thing. you just like, and even I was raised in churches and sang my whole life and I wouldn't call myself, uh, anything, but spirituality is, is unavoidable. So hearing it written this way in her language, cause that's all we ever do as humans is we have a go in our own language at something we all know to be true. It's just, it's just heartbreaking how good it is. And the word that I had to sum it all up was tender just tender because again i'm gonna say it again because i don't think it's come through but like that it might be my i mean it's come at the end of the year so i'm probably just emotional and people that know me are a very emotional impulsive person but that might be my favorite song we've had this year because of because of the 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 purity of it and and the last thing i want to share for context because maybe that didn't make sense to some people but i spoke to carla recently and she shared with me that during i think one of her pregnancies she became so ill that she wasn't sure if either her or the baby would make it. And then when the baby did blessedly come into this world, then Carla had to take time away because she didn't know if she was going to make it for a really long period of time. And her husband sounds like an absolute superhero. So let's be real about that. But hearing her, it was like a brief Zoom call we had recently, but like hearing her tell her story... And then saying oh but it's only ever been heard by people at my church or it's got this many streams and at the time i was talking about i'm going to la i'm going to work with someone like this do something like that and in my head i was like who gives a fuck about that you know like i really do care about that that's the thing but when you hear someone like carla who's probably the most successful songwriter i've ever had the pleasure of having a conversation with if you think about success being accessing something that's difficult and painful I don't know if there's a more successful songwriter. Like, honestly, I, think, I mean, sitting across from Emily, like some of the stuff that Emily touches on is, is truly heartwarming, but just while we're here with this song, I think there's such a, such an understandable thing that happens whereby you think streams are the quality of the songwriting, but I don't think they're connected often. Um, streams often reflect marketing. Whereas when you hear a song like this, that as Emily said, like has some way of negating the rules and laws of time. When I, I promise you, I looked at it, I went, okay, six minutes something. I listened to it, I went, I don't think that's the same file because it glides. And Emily said with the pace, with the pause, with the beauty, with the silence and just the heart-wrenching delivery of that, like it's art, it doesn't obey the rules of time as everything else does. And I don't think I've even done justice to, to what Carla has been through, to what Carla represents and if you spoke to her you'd have no idea she'd been through something like that and she was kind enough to share it you know so that was the subject of our conversation but when i think of the people i might well be lucky enough to work with in the future or the people i have currently worked with um or the people i worked with in the past that may well be notable one day or then i just don't think anyone's going to touch the level of success that some of my clients have in terms of them accessing things that they fucking care about so to have this song and it to come here and for Emily to have the same kind of reception as myself, even as Emily is someone who's great at kind of going somewhere that's kind of dark because let's face it, we all go there as creatives. Like we have to more. My favorite music has got some way of shaking your heart. And I think that's all like, I'd love to speak for six hours on it because Carla deserves it as a listener and as someone that submits. And I've watched her a little bit of her journey and what she's gone through. And, Check out Birdie Padilla's record, it's Carla. Super tight budget to create something that beautiful. But when you're as good a performer, when you're as good a songwriter, when you're as good a human being as her, you just it's just a case of setting the mic up and letting it happen. Because again, I don't know if... I probably won't the rest of this year because there's not much left, but I don't think I'll hear a song like that for a very long time. So I'm really glad it's fallen as it has into our hands to to appreciate. And I think I just hopefully followed on what Emily was feeling on that. So. Anything else you want to say about it? Um, I'm just going to get my handkerchief.
0: I know. I was welling up just now listening you tell that story and give more insight. But that really is what it is, isn't it? Is um the ability for, for Carla in particular to take some of these more mundane aspects of life and bring it into the story. Like what you're talking about with the line about praying and, and making lemonade is actually... One that I had written down, too, is a line that stood out to me um, because it's a way that in a way you address um, some of the like magic of the everyday. Like there's a certain um, when you connect to the mundane or the banal and you put it into your art, whether you're a songwriter or, or whatever you do, there is a recognition that happens with your audience where they're able to relate to that on a human level. And then the the everyday becomes something, something more special because it's something that actually connects us all together. So I, I just, I love the way that you did that. And to what you're saying, it's interesting how, yeah, there are a few parts that we kind of more objectively receive to the same way. And so I, I'm just in awe of your mastery of your craft to be able to get us to react like that. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's a, it's a gift.
1: That's the perfect way to say it. I think that's why I've cried. There you go, you hit it. It's the awe of the mastery of the craft, but a complete unawareness of that, I think. Having met her, she's so self-effacing and humble and kind and looking to, to get back to where she wants to be. But just yeah so that's um that's why we write songs that's why emily and i love to hear songs and if you can make us cry hopefully that's something because that will happen to lots of people emily and i are from very different worlds in some ways but to be united like that and the last technical thing is just as emily pointed out is if you can tell your story of your day-to-day life others will relate and the idea of being able to understand when people let you down and that the lord as well feels that it's just we're not doing it justice by continuing to talk about it. So I think um, that is an incredible way to end this year and of at least the help desk, because we're going to keep going in some other respects, but just want to say thanks to Emily as well for, for being here and she knows, and I know what we go through, not just like in our, in our coaching sessions, but to get this podcast to people and the work that Emily puts in to be able to turn up and be so seamless is, it's kind of inspiring to me. It's why I turn up and do this and, finding someone else to to play uh, technical songwriting tennis with is is crazy and I remember actually our very first call before we started working together I said to myself like no way does this person need coaching on the technical side at all because I would say something you'd be like yeah it's this right I'm like yeah <laughs> and then it's been amazing to find your gift not only in your sessions but also your gift to others with songwriting it's becoming more and more evident to me so I'm really looking forward to yeah, a sneak, a sneak little cheeky thing is that Emily's going to be getting her own stuff out on this podcast and I'm going to watch her grow into her space and she already delivered interviews and you're going to see that grow. So that's exciting. Um, but if it's okay, Emily, I'm going to take us into the top three artists of 2024, uh 2023, if that's cool with yeah, you.
0: Yeah, please, please do. Thank you for that.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I, I want you to have it recorded as well. So um, it's important that people are aware of this podcast and what it does for me. I can't speak for others, but what it does for me is it keeps me going and it keeps me focused when I'm not. It, it, no, I think just keeps me going is, is the best way to say it. So anyone that's involved is amazing. And Tiki like squirreling away and fighting behind the scenes to get this to you is unsung. He is unsung and that's the way he is and he's got no idea. So um before I get too emotional, we're gonna get onto this bit I've been talking about. So I've got three artists that I think this year shone for me whether they are coming out this year because a couple of songs did come out this year but i'm talking about artists that this year changed my life that's what i'd like to focus on so the first one is christmas related rage against the machine <laughs> so for those of you guys that don't get that reference go and check out their campaign to have a christmas number one which probably the greatest thing that happened in the music industry um but the reason why is i knew about rage against the machine as a kid we all did but for some reason about two weeks ago i started to listen more to Rage, and I ended up picking up uh, Evil Empire on Apple Music, so i picking it up. and I heard the song "People of the Sun," and much like why Emily's brilliant is because I started hearing about the Mashika in the 1500s and how it was this ma- imagined return of op- oppressed people. And then I heard a song whereby he he literally talked about Zulu nation, Martin Luther King coming back, Atomic Renegades. And I was like, what the? Because obviously everyone knows "Killing in the Name of." It, It's still a song that gives me goosebumps and gets me down the last few hundred meters or kilometers of my workouts or runs. But when you go and look at what that band did and when they released, it's scary to have said things like that at a time like that. And they were the first ones to really be doing that. And even let's talk about what they're doing, how good they are live and the music that they're brave enough to do. And they've inspired bands like Let Live, I think pretty directly and uh, The Fever and what's happening there. But just raising Against the Machine, I, I don't know if there's a better execution of meaningful, aggressive, spiritual, historical music. And let's not forget the production, Tom Morello, the bass, the drums. It's disgusting how good it all is. And let's go again for Christmas number one. That's all I'm saying. Emily, who's your first one of the year?
0: <laughs> all right. Well... You've helped me decide the order in which I'm going to list my top three because you've got me thinking a little bit more about artists that are simultaneously doing new and interesting things and are also throwbacks to 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, because I'm noticing there's a lot more of that happening uh, I'm sure there's a there's a myriad of reasons as to why I mean part of it is because you have with streaming services um, for film and TV you have a lot more independent production houses happening and so that's a lot more chances for older songs to get film placements and then be seen and then become, a new chart entry, you know, decades later. Another part of that is like, is like the virality of things on TikTok, you know, is, is making all kinds of old music popular to an extent that I honestly didn't expect at this point in my life. I expected for a lot of the young people to have, <laughs> the younger than me people <laughs> the people who are in their younger youth than I am to have a just a completely new take on everything and it's so surprising to me you know when I see a car of teenagers and I hear them blasting an old fallout boy record or, or something like that oh
1: don't that just hits the um, nerve. I was waiting for but, that to come around again
0: <laughs> yeah so the artist for me that personally I am, resonating with in terms of their lyrics that's also an older artist that's continuing to make interesting stuff is uh, Foo Fighters. I have gone on such a deep dive into the Foo Fighters this year who are currently doing an all-stadium tour and continuing to make music. Aside from already having tons of chart entries from the past like 20 years, 20 plus years, um, their new record is actually blowing me away. They have a, a, a record that's less than a year old that really explores a more tender side of, of Dave Grohl, which in in part is because he's brought his daughter into it a lot. He's a, his oldest daughter is 17, and she's now singing and has played a lot of select shows uh, with the Foo Fighters and has brought just a completely new Um, more conventionally pretty, melodic, vocal element into their music, and hearing the two of them harmonize is so interesting because Dave has a much more um, speech-level voice. He, He sings really in a similar manner to how he talks, and a lot of his singing is more just like shouting on pitch, right? Whereas his daughter is more of a musician's musician and has a lot of different technical dynamics to her voice and a, a bit of a, a bit of a jazziness. She could be an R and B singer if she wanted to. And and the two of them together, that, that gruffer texture with the smoother textures is it, it just creates um, like we were saying, beautiful contrast. And then on top of that, the lyrics play off of this idea of what I was talking about during the help desk with really tapping into the essence of human suffering. And there's an element of survivalism in all of their lyrics that, that's been really helpful for me in terms of just having more mental fortitude, having more overall resilience. And the one lyric that has been sticking with me a lot from the new album is on a song called The Teacher. Uh, which is living breath by breath. It's just one line. And and they repeat it a lot, just living breath by breath. They repeat it a lot, a lot, a lot, and you kind of get into a trance with it. And for me, it's like there's so many that's levels on which I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, that's like, so real to people.
0: Not only is it real, it's a practically useful like reminder, and so it it becomes mantra. And then also another mark of a good songwriter that I look for is a lot of people can write good couplets, right? You, you can write a good rhyme of two lines, but how often do you come across songs where there's just like one line that's strong enough to stand on its own? That's that line for me. That's beautiful. Just, that's beautiful, just, and you I get, sold me I on get that chills. record now. So it's, I'm like, I'm gonna great. have
1: to, girls just to add to Foo Fighters, was when they could have kept doing exactly what they decided to do, but instead they went, oh, how do we make it different? How do we make it interesting? Pretty there for, for their sakes as well, but Fooz, I was not expecting to come out with that. Or maybe because you spoke about it recently in a session, but awesome, awesome. And I think I'm gonna have a word to tie together my three artists in some ways, but the second one might well be the pinnacle. And it's one that people might not know, but it's a Belgian artist called Stromae, Stromae, if you're English which I am. So to really introduce people to it quickly is when he was 16, he was working at a radio show and he decided to submit a demo that then become, became one of the biggest songs in the world to the point where Kanye featured on it. He is the embodiment of preparation meeting opportunity. But the beautiful thing is I was introduced to Stromae and this gorgeous, thin half Rwandan, Belgian, who at the time when I was in France, People couldn't talk about the things he was talking about. He was cross-dressing in music videos, talking about absent fathers because his, his father was shot and killed in the Rwandan genocide, but he still had the sensitivity to come on again, cross-dress, play strange music, do it all in his room, submit it to radio stations. And that was my introduction to Stromae. But this year I kind of really started to understand why... I love him as a human. And I was at a show in Paris and I was talking to these guys who are playing like kind of old royal bloody UK rock. And I just mentioned Stromae and they went, oh, did you see it? I went, yeah, did you see it? We're both talking about the same thing because what Stromae did this year, or at least it was last year, I remember seeing it. There's a song called L'Enfer, which means hell. And he was doing a, you know, if you're in America or wherever you are, imagine your primetime news interview. He was doing a primetime news interview and Three, three or four minutes into it, he just starts to sing. So the the camera starts to turn, the music comes on and he starts singing on live TV. And the, the amazing thing is, is again, singing about suicide and how he's not proud of the fact he wanted to kill himself and how it's so difficult to deal with these things. And the production was incredible. Just watch the performance. But the reason he's so impressive is because he was absolutely shitting himself. He was so scared and even for normal interviews, he's so scared. But all of these things that he does and turns up endlessly to talk about these subjects. And even his new album, he's talked about, you know, the ideal day, the worst day in the world in terms of lockdown. And it's just beautifully written. It's also a song about raising a glass to people that have to clean up pubs, clubs, events venues, people that are not doing drugs, the people that are just cleaning because they have to feed their kids. Um, Equally, unfair is about, again, suicide. But all that's to say, he's also a genius of contrast. He essentially raps and speaks and delivers sardonic one-liners. That are incredibly insightful that show a level of intelligence that most people don't have let alone able to express but then he uses the music around him really aggressive production to fill that space that maybe a traditional singer might have similar to maybe what you're saying about dave Grohl's daughter being able to reach those classic r b hook contrast spaces but to me Stromae is it's courage and having success yes doing all these things but also looking at how much he puts into his live performance and taking the time to write music Even for me, something that's so good. It makes me want to keep learning French and get better at learning. And it's even made me consider trying to do interviews in French because I've started to do one or two sessions in French doing songwriting client work. And I wouldn't have done that if I didn't feel like there was someone singing in French that I really needed to know more about. And I know it sounds ignorant, but that's just one reason. And I also think when I was incredibly stressed, struggling, traveling, trying to, as Emily says, like live breath to breath. It's also where i have a tattoo in french on my ribs um which means breathe when i was doing all that i found his music and i found the beauty and again the courage like why not dream big all these things i've been able to achieve um and he just has these incredible quips on life so for me strong eye is you know i've been annoying my girlfriend to death about it but go and check out his recent record even if you especially if you don't speak french go and listen to the way that's put together because there isn't a better album i think uh possibly any language accepting. so I've missed a bunch for him, but check out that TV performance if you want to see guts. That's my number 2.
0: Cool. Yeah. I I will check that out now that it has been sold to me. <laughs> cool. Yeah, like you were just saying. Uh all right. So, my my number 2 um is an artist that I started getting into in 2019. Uh, I, I had heard her before, but in terms of it really speaking to my life, um, I hadn't really sat down and listened to like a full Phoebe Bridgers album until then. Uh, and it was under really, really strange circumstances, actually. Um, I, or, or no, no, no. I listened to her a bit in 2019 because she dropped a new record. And then there was another wave of me getting into her uh, that happened in. Very late 2020. Um, it was actually it was under really hard circumstances, and I think that's why she became someone kind of special to both me and my cousin. Uh, is interesting. like just the way that events lined up. Like I during Thanksgiving sort of break as we have here in America of 2020, um, I caught word that one of my friends while in lockdown, I uh, had a drug le- relapse and overdosed and died. And that was tough, like beyond belief. And I had a tattoo session scheduled for the next day. And I was, I was going back and forth on it. I was like, okay, maybe this will be a good outlet, but maybe this will be really intense. I don't know. And so I showed up. Um, my, my artist is my cousin to clarify she's a she's a tattoo artist and um she tells me like oh my god i've been listening to phoebe bridgers first two albums nonstop and do you mind if i play this music while i do work for you and and so i'm in the middle of grief in the middle of a tattoo session um really contemplating this music uh, for the first time. And the thing that washes over you first is really just um, the vocal stacks and the harmonies and the delicacy of all of that and the amount of breath that she puts into all of that to make everything sound um, so thin thin enough that you can stack those vocals really densely and almost end up with this ethereal cloud of, of voice. And that's that's something that I've been working on doing a lot in my backing vocals myself, but then it's like the thing that really kept me listening was the lyrics and her, first of all, her ability um, to juxtapose morbidity and comic relief, I think, is really interesting to me. Like, there's a lot of different examples of this. Like, I remember there's one song of hers in in the first verse that always picks my ear when I hear this line, um, smoke in the car windows up because it's such a like bleak image, but at the same time, it's so, um, it's absurd because it's like, why would you do that? It's just like, um, there's a humor in that. And then another, another lyric of hers that hits that spot for me is in an older, much older song of hers. Um, and, and, it's supposed to be kind of an unrequited star-crossed love song, and and she's like expressing the extremity of her love for someone. And the lyric is, uh, "If you were a waiting room, I would never see a doctor. I'd sit here with my first aid kit and bleed." And just the the intensity and the morbidity, and also the humor, is what really did it for me. Like it's not it's not all completely. Bleak. Um, the other thing that does it for me is that she really sounds like herself. Like she doesn't sound like comparably like another artist. Like she's taken so much time to craft a a special blend of of influences. You know, everything from classic country like Johnny Cash to pop and. You know, she's been able to be featured on a variety of different artists' albums, everything from Paul McCartney to the new Scissor record. So it's, it's a testament to her range and just the amount of time that she's been able to put into the work, too. She grew up in Los Angeles, so she has kind of that benefit, but... The cool thing for me, too, is that into this year, she's not really doing solo stuff. She's in a trio called Boy Genius, and they're kind of similar Uh, in terms of the vocal harmonies. It's like really going into this Americana folky take on pop that's very dark kind of place. Uh, And so you have like these, these kind of Appalachian folk music sounding vocal stacks. But then it's juxtaposed with more of a alternative rock sound in terms of the rest of the instrumentation and and again it's just the lyrics being able to show and not tell like instead of being like oh um i went to my friend's house and it seemed like he's not doing well financially um you know (laughs) like she's not telling us that instead they just say uh how long's the chevy been on cinder blocks and like, it's such a beautiful life. It's just and it,
1: lyrical deep diving genius, right?
0: Yeah, genius. it's lyrical deep diving genius. That's, that's really, that's really what it is to me. So yeah, thanks Phoebe Bridgers. And then after I, 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 to finish that story, after I got that tattoo, um, listening to Phoebe Bridgers, one of the next ones that I were to get is actually some of her lyrics. So I think about her a lot.
1: Yeah. And. I have a feeling I know who number three is, but genuinely, I've heard about Phoebe for a long time from you. And again, it's this weird thing where I think now I have to, I have to experience it to be completely honest, like knowing what you like and how we're similar and incredibly different at the same time. Because i going to have to do that, especially when you say Appalachian folk, I'm like, I'm in, let's go. Oh uh, yeah,
0: they've, it's it's Appalachian folk meets rock, if you, if you like that combo.
1: I only grew up on rock music, you know, no, nothing big, nothing big. <laughs> And speaking of Appalachian music, I think, again, it'd be pretty easy to guess my number three. So I'm going to keep it short because people have probably been absolutely sick of me talking about him. But Sam Hunt really is ever far from my heart. And I realize that's a lot more for holistic reasons of seeing how he's conducted himself as a professional, as a sportsman, as a human, as a writer, and now as a, as a as a parent, as a father, and as a businessman. So It could be really quick, but I think the song Outskirts was the first thing this year that cut me in half because it's everything I wanted and it's everything that I'm trying to build here in France and everything I've been running from in my naivety and my youth of commitment into really putting down roots somewhere that's special, somewhere that recharges me. And when I can drive out here into the woods, shoot my bow and listen to Sam Hunt it feels like i'm kind of close to the thing that's good for human beings so outskirts again in terms of a song it's incredible i've probably talked about it but it's just crafted like anything sam hunt um zach crowl touch is it's untouchable in terms of technique but i think lots of people can do that but not many people can insert something that through all that technical work still resonates and that's that's why I play it every time I head out to the outskirts, shoot my bow. And yes, I love running around on planes and trains and cars and superheating the planet, like an idiot, you know, cause that's who I am in some ways, but coming home, being around what's important, being humbled by that, missing the target, getting felt tip on my hand from my niece and being told I'm useless by the people that I love is really important. And I think that's something I kind of live vicariously ahead of time through him over his career and, um, came the closest I've talked about super recently. So I won't, but again, seems to say the things that I either I'm going to experience or I feel like I have in some ways and the dude's incredibly handsome as well. So I'm going to give him that for this year. And I really look forward to the day when myself or Emily and I can say today's guest is Sam Hunt, it's top five. so. He's not number three in order, but again, in terms of courage to go and do what he's done. And and again, hybridization, we talked a little bit about this a lot in a way. Two genres that you put together. Elvis did it. Sam Hunt does it. Phoebe Bridges does it. Rage do it. Stromae is kind of a bit unique of a unicorn. But yeah, those are my three for this year. And I'm kind of feeling excited for next year what Emily and I come up with. So Emily, who's your third one to round off this one?
0: Woohoo. Okay. My third one, I also wanted to get uh, to it quite briefly because I know that, uh, I risk some people shutting this podcast off because my favorite <laughs> artist, artist of the year absolutely has suffered from a wonderful problem to have called overexposure. Uh, but still, you know, year after year, I am finding more and more nuance in Taylor Swift. Like I, I, I first got into her during her third album, Cycle, uh, Speak Now, which is the, the record that she put out that was her kind of proof, uh, really proving herself in the industry because she came up into it so young. And so there's all kinds of you know, different biases that, and backlash that you have to deal with whether you're in that kind of position. And so she took to herself to write an album entirely by herself without any co-writes to really show where her technical skills are from a transparent perspective. And that was Speak Now. That was the first record of hers that I got into. Uh, and now this year it's been re-released and re-recorded and it's come out with a bunch of new songs on it and it's still just like I'm finding more and more nuance in it because the songs that I could relate to when I was in my 20s and she was in her 20s as well um it's it, it's, it's still I still appreciate the technical craft of it but there are other songs that stand out to me more um and it's it's really it's interesting um being 32 And listening back to her song that was kind of like sympathy and forgiveness for Kanye West after um, he stole the show from her on the VMA stage, Uh, he was 32 at the time. And so there's a lyric about being 32 and still growing up. And out of the context of the Kanye debacle, that is something that keeps me going, is um, thinking of myself as still young and innocent through that song and like yeah i really just find myself coming back to her because she does have a song for every occasion she has songs that will follow you um while you're going down your deep dark night of the soul uh and then she also has her songs that are more uh the fun and frivolous side of life it's it's every side of humanity in one artist there's so much to choose from in terms of her catalog uh and and I continue to have new experiences with songs that she's released years and years ago. Like yesterday we had a session and I was talking about how it's like, dang, you know, um, growing up in the city and living in an even bigger city in my 20s, like you see some crazy things and it definitely like it, tr- it gives you low level trauma <laughs> living uh, in like downtown San Francisco, and then like the next morning, I'm putting on one of my playlists and there's the Taylor Swift song. And the first lyric is my love was as cruel as the cities I lived in. I'm like, I am I ready to cry first thing in the morning? Like you're just I never really listened yeah. to the song much. And Do you're just it. speaking, you're just speaking to me. You're speaking to exactly what I was just saying. And so I think that um yeah, part of it is her ability to capture the human experience with nuance and part of it is just feeling like a camaraderie around being quite close to her age but that is uh my number one artist on my spotify wrapped for this year
1: ah uh, they're cool because i want to talk about a little bit that a little bit about that later but i've just realized emily as you're talking that both of our first choices i promise you know no one's gonna believe us but we didn't coordinate this both of our first choices were some form of rock or punk right that was kind of ahead of its time, '90s. And then, the second one was someone who's been through unbelievable suffering that's found a, a very unique way to express that themselves with Stromae and Phoebe Bridges, which is kind right. of weird. And then and the more, third one has been
0: yeah, yeah. I was gonna say they're both. Now that you mentioned it, I didn't notice it, but they're kind of more people who have blown up in the industry not because they're particularly following trends at it, all. That is exactly it's, it's it. like They've created it's their like, own thing. They're both indie favorites.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To the point where even Stromae is not English speaking, but he's Camila Caballo, uh, Kanye West have found what he's done um, and been a part of it. So in the third one, both of our kind of what would be aspirational, never be able to be, but really want to be country uh, mainstream artists (laughs) that talk about life. So (laughs) it's it's pretty appropriate that we've gone that way this year. And again, I, I have thanked Emily, so I can do that. But I want to just quickly talk about what next year will look like, at least from my perspective. And then there'll be a kind of a closing note um, after that. But I found this year, what I wish I knew was that luck is 100% in your hands. And I saw it happen in a room whereby I was teaching, I was giving a talk. I wasn't teaching, I was sharing with creatives 14 to 19. And I first asked them, where have you heard luck? do you think you can control it? No one was willing to put their hand up. And this was a class that was happy to share ideas, but no one thought they could control luck. Five minutes later, I explained that luck is this. Luck is 50% preparation, and that 50% is made up of practice, proof, and pressure in a cycle. The other half of luck is opportunities. You could also call this relationships. And that, that half of opportunities is made up of personal, professional, digital. Again, in a cycle, in a loop. Just showing them that, maybe two to three minutes later, I started to see these people's minds churning. And some of them smiled, some of them kind of went a bit red, and some just got super excited. They're going, wow, luck is in my hands right now. So that's gonna be half of the equation for next year is the idea that luck is in your hands. The other half that is even more poignant, and we touched on pretty much everything that Emily and I talk about, we'll touch on this, but I call it the six things you need to do, think about doing, or having a meaningful interaction with every single day. And there's sunlight, sleep, movement, mindfulness, diet, and relationships. And again, in a 40 minute talk, showing these young human beings that luck is in your hands and this is how you have a sustainable career was probably the single most enjoyable experience I've had this year. And it passed quick and I was back to normal life, back to doing other things. But that to me, is going to dictate where this podcast goes. So if you're not interested in how you can really engineer your creative work into a career, or at least augment whatever you do by way of taking control of things that you previously thought were not in your control, I'm sorry, the podcast is going to be moving this way. But luckily, within that, there is so much technical songwriting. There is this thing called the creative funnel, which I'm going to be talking about more and more and more, which is just an accumulation amalgamation of everything that emily and i talk about everything that i've discovered talking to people on this podcast and the tools that i use as a coach being put into this framework that's incredibly simple to draw on a whiteboard and the beauty of it is it's so simple it's actually embarrassing but if i again i tried it in a room with people that didn't know me didn't know my work um of different ages and different experiences and it landed for them and they started talking about it and I could see it being passed around the room and those are the best ideas they're not my ideas as I said none of this podcast is my idea it's my observations it's Emily's ideas and observations so that's what next year is going to look like in a lot of different ways it's going to be threaded through all the interviews it's going to be threaded through what I'm talking about and contrast as ever will be there the golden triad these things that I'm seeing are really effective and efficient ways of giving you the tools that you guys need. Because Emily and I had this conversation earlier that the next year of this podcast is all about giving people information that makes people want to stop listening to this podcast and get the hell on with songwriting or get the hell on with writing for other people. So that's how I want to see the new year looking. Emily, how have you felt about this year and what would you love to be moving towards next year?
0: Oh, wow. This year, this year's about growth, and seeing more results in the minutiae, more so than seeing very large, tangible results. This year has been about, like, subtle shifts, mindset, lifestyle, uh, really feeling like I'm more in the driver's seat of my life, and I am, like, shifting mentally to, okay... I'm finally feel like I'm a fully formed individual, (laughs) but then at the same time, staying very curious, that's been the most important thing to me is making sure that there's always something that really picks my curiosity versus things that pick my worry. Uh, and, and having that kind of shift and and just, just also my my mentality around money is shifting, too. I, I used to think of it so differently. And now I feel like my life has given me so many lessons in terms of um, your, your wealth is really your health. It, it really is. And, like, the amount that you put into yourself is uh, very determinate of your value. And so... Now that I feel like I've just, I've had all of these experiences, I've accumulated all of this, I I feel like I'm going to be in a position where I'm a lot more ready to um, be open with my findings. And I have a lot that I do want to teach through my experiences and through showing you guys some more of uh, my music, my demos, my process, and... Also, like, yeah, just continuing to stay open-minded because it is the middle of winter. So once I get to, once I finally get to 2024, that might even look different. I I just, I find that I'm constantly having little micro revelations and subtle shifts and something that one of my good friends, Shantae, taught me and told me about many years ago, is this idea of the word radical. Uh, In the context of more of like botany and biology, the word radical means the first initial root that shoots out of a seed. It's nothing... Because when we think of the word radical, we think of something grandiose. But by that definition, it is actually that subtle shift that sets a precedent for so many other shifts and then eventually accumulates into a a fully grown organism. So keeping with that kind of metaphor and mentality as we move into spring is what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. As ever, an atypical, thoughtful, practical insight from Emily. I look forward to hearing all of them going forward, because they always kind of challenge me. And the last thing I want to say is I've been receiving from people, including Emily, uh, your Spotify raps, which is just a case of, you know, how many hours you've listened. And I personally don't mind if you're of any percentage. What I feel is humbling is hearing from a couple of people that I, this is even on there. And that, I don't know how to explain it. And it goes to a place that doesn't really work in the verbal part of my brain. So I'm sorry it won't come across, but that really reaches me and I can't express it. And it keeps me wanting to get on that train, get on that plane, get on that call, put down that money. As Emily said, you know, investing in experiences and and things that are meaningful to me and my growth. And I realize how short life is, how difficult it is, particularly how we all suffer. in in so many different ways, but just having people chatting to each other and watching this Discord community radically, as Emily said, grow. And I hear conversations secondhand now from it. And it's all I ever wanted because I want a space for people to talk to each other. I want a space for people to start to share. And I really look forward to what happens to everyone next year, everything they can bring to their own lives. And I really hope that everyone writes honestly. And we all understand that music and songwriting is therapy. It's not like therapy. And I'm really looking forward to having your support and what I can do with it because I'm not going to waste it and it will mean less time, maybe in contact, but you've got people like Emily, you've got people like Tiki, you've got people, the stalwarts who are already in the discord and the people that are going to be hearing from. But I promise that even if you don't hear from me as much next year, I will be doing the work, which you've all inspired me to do. So again, I can't access the meaningful part of that and for some reason it's not coming out. So thank you to everyone who has a part share in this podcast being a thing by listening. You make Emily and I able to get up and do this. You make the world a bit brighter and to know that there's people out there like like Carla, like Stu <laughs> writing songs of that caliber from just their own goodwill and heart is stunning it's really stunning and I hope to bring that to the industry at large and make sure that the people that we bring on the show do justice to your time and I'm gonna have to think about all this through to next year and I appreciate Emily I appreciate Tiki again I want to shout out to Tiki because he's unseen unheard and forever present and that's what makes him awesome so thank you from me I'll leave the last words for this year pretty much this year to Emily and uh thank you all have an awesome time
0: great yes i have some some similar thanks at at first uh i of course first off want to thank everybody who's listening you guys give this show so much value we couldn't literally couldn't do it without you because of all of these songs that are being submitted and and it keeps me listening keeps me thinking, as my grandmother always used to say, helps me stay sharp. And so, continuing to do that into next year is something I look forward to. Uh, Jamie, thanks for teaching me how to make a podcast, man. That was not in <laughs> that was not in my skill set 12 months ago, and now here we are, a year later. This is the anniversary of this segment, so. And again, thank you to both you, Jamie and Tiki. I, I had no idea that two people could be so patient and I hope that I don't test it in the new year. <laughs> I hope that you
1: do because Tiki and I truly believe in, <laughs> in tests from good people. And I think what Emily's brought to the show is, is um, I would say immeasurable, but it's very clear the the reaction that you get when I speak to people. and. I think having you is evident as to why that's valuable. So I don't need to say that, but this is us for the year, but we're going to be back really soon after you hear this. So it's more a case of marking this time, saying thank you to the people and really looking forward to what a 12 month cycle brings to this, to you, to us, to the world. And I really hope it's vital to write songs. I really hope that some people who are kind of going through a phase of needing inspiration again, if this can help you, it's beyond valuable and I won't ever be able to conceive it. So. Get out there. Find the thing that makes you shine. Ikigai. Talked about it before. I can't keep going. I have to. I can't. Thanks to everyone. And you'll be hearing from us very, very soon. From me, from Emily, goodbye. We love you. And this is going to keep rolling. And it's just going to get better.
0: (laughs) Happy holidays.
1: The episode might well be over for this week, but you can still do so much for your songwriting right now. If you want to send in a song for submission for us to review or ask us a question or just say hello and get in touch you can send us an email i wish i knew that pod at gmail.com we'll get right back to you with whatever you need if you would like to join the discord then in this very show in the links below you can do that why not bring some friends why not tell people about what we are doing so this can be even richer for you and your collaborators if you want to get in touch with us on instagram i wish i knew that pod And if you really want to help the show out, if you feel like you want to contribute more than just your precious time, there are some incredible resources that I've vetted, picked, approved for you and if you use the links below to purchase them it will help this show out massively and keep us going and keep us finding people like you all over the world and of course if you want to book a call with me you can do so i am there you can go to my website jamiecarcoop.com or check out the link i'm there for your questions your projects if you want to talk theory if you want to talk about relationships if you want to talk about anything i am there for you look forward to meeting you thank you so much for listening to the show and wherever you are i wish you all the best with your songwriting i'll speak at you very soon